You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hey, lexiconosaurs and word chefs, welcome to another episode of The Melting Podcast. Guess what I have? Herpes. Oh, God, really? I don't know, do you? No. You tell me. No. Oh. Have, well, then I don't know. I give up. Tell I, me. I have you. Oh, me. You're talking about me. I'm back. Hi. Yeah, it's episode 49. I'm your head chef, AF Grappen. I'm your grill mistress, Erin Kazmark. Together again. Well, sort of. Physically sort of. in proximity to each other. Yes. But I'm going to go ahead and apologize right now for the horrible audio quality. We're still in transition. The point is that we are back together and we are getting episodes together. I'm working on building a better recording area. I don't want to call it a booth. (laughs) No, I don't think you could get away with that. No, but uh, working on that to bring better stuff coming, you know, in the fall. And uh, and I'll just mumble for a while. It'll be fine. We're used to that. Yeah. You you do that a lot. I can't always understand what you say because you mumble. The last, you know, like three, four episodes, we've missed you. I've missed you guys. It's been hard. Glad to have you back. Well, duh. And not, I'm awesome. And not just for the hosting, for the story reading, too, because we haven't heard your voice in three and a half forevers. I know, but now you're going to hear my voice, plus a whole slew of other voices that I do for you. Yes. 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 Which are still technically my voice. Yes. They are. So lots of me. So we're going to start. Um, this is not quite our third anniversary birthday bash. We're working on that one. We want to actually do justice to that, so this is just going to be a regular episode. And we've got not one, not two, but three Stoke the Fire stories for you today. Three. Three. So these three, not one, not two, but three. Three. I like the choir. That's nice. Uh Oh. Uh When did the kitchen angels get here? I don't know, but they sound really awful. Yeah. Um, So these, not one, not two, but three. Three. Son of a bitch. Stoke the Fire stories. Are for prompt number 12. Write a story featuring some kind of mystic cheese. Yeah. What do you say, Aaron? Cheese. When we're about to start stories. Um, go. Bon appetit. Alfredo and the Cheese of Doom by Scott Roche. Fredo loved cheese. He'd never met one he didn't want to eat. His desire to experience new and different cheeses led him to be one of the leading cheesemongers in the world of fromagerie. With a successful business under his belt, he contented himself with traveling the world in search of new dairies and cheesemakers. He sat at his desk one fine Saturday, opening his mail and contemplating his next adventure when he opened a letter he would never forget. Dear Mr. Fredo, if you want the cheese experience of your life, you need to visit a monastery in India. They make a cheese like you've never seen from the most sacred of cows. Your eyes will be opened to new vistas of what's possible in the art of making cheese. I've attached a map with the GPS coordinates. If you choose to take this journey... I pray it changes your life the way it has mine. Signed, a fan. Fredo folded the letter up and nodded. 
I'll do it. Hours later, he was aboard a private plane and winging his way over the ocean to the most remote fromager he'd ever visited. Once he touched down on the Indian subcontinent's soil, he considered himself mentally and spiritually prepared for whatever came next. Not 30 yards away stood a man holding a sign that said simply, A. Fredo. He walked over and extended a hand. I'm Mr. Fredo. Are you my Sherpa? The man nodded. I'm Ravi. I'll be taking you on your journey. Are you ready for what awaits us? Fredo nodded. As ready as I'll ever be. I've been looking for something different for over a dozen years. I love cheddar and camembert and limburger, but man can't live by known cheeses alone. He pulled out his map. Can you take me here? Ravi consulted the map. This is a very dangerous journey, Fredo. Very dangerous indeed. There are icy passes and many, many possibilities of avalanche. There are also... He glanced left and right. Yeti. The man of the snow, I think you call them? Fredo nodded. Abominable snowman? This grew more exciting with everything he found out. When can we start? Ravi looked at him as though he'd sprouted celery from his ears. You are not afraid of the danger? Danger? Man, the game is afoot. The only thing which occupies my mind more than the danger and its excitement is the idea that we could learn so much. I don't expect a novice such as you to appreciate what I'm doing or what the stakes are. Let's just say a cheese like this could make me a household name. Even if it doesn't, though, I'll be a very important man in my circles. It will be the culmination of a lifelong dream. The two adventurers set off into the mountains to try and make it to the distant herd of cattle and the cheese produced from their milk. They were stopped by an incident with a huge hairy beast, but when it got a whiff of the pungent Taleggio Fredo kept in a rolled-up sock, they were left untouched. Finally, they arrived at the monastery, frostbitten, but kept fed from the stocks of samples Fredo kept in his pack. Fredo knocked on the ornate wooden doors. He wondered, not for the first time, where they kept the cows and why they made cheese and not ice cream. A small section of the door opened inward, and a wizened old man in saffron robes beckoned them inside. We have been waiting for you, friends. Fredo let Ravi go first and then came in, stomping the snow from his boots. Thank you, good sir. How did you know we were coming? The cheese foretold of someone like you. This person would come here and desire to become a master of the ways of making our cheese. From there they will, but I won't go on. Telling these things has a way of working out for the worse. Sit and have tea with me. He ushered the two men to a small room off to one side of the temple beyond. They sat around a low wooden table, and the monk poured tea from a stoneware pot, the rich smell filling the air. Tell me, why did you come to learn our ways? I have been a lover of cheeses since I was a boy. I've been told I have a flair for finding and making some of the best in the world. 
Eventually, I came to believe there was more to life than buying and selling. I wanted to change the world, to leave some sort of mark to outlast this life I've been given. I've been told studying with you would be the key to unlock the door to new vistas. The monk held out his hands. I would caution you against seeking to make money or fame from what we make here. It can have some unusual circumstances. We had someone who came into our fold with nothing but mercenary desires in their heart. When the cheese became aware of this, it disposed of him. If your heart is pure, you have no reason to worry. Fredo didn't know what to do. Of course he wanted to sell the cheese and return some portion of the money to the monks. Did they need money, though? I want to make money. After all, I need to eat and send my children to college where I can, but I promise I will honor any secrets you have and wish to keep. I've no desire to cause you any trouble or take anything which doesn't belong to me. The monk began to laugh. At first, it was just a chuckle. Then a chortle. He banged on the tabletop in a most unmonk-like way. Tears streamed down his cheeks. Ravi began to laugh, too. He reached into his jacket and pulled out a roll of colorful bills. He pulled off a few and handed them to the monk. Here you go. The monk rubbed his tears away and took the money. Fredo looked from one to the other. I'm sorry, I don't understand. The monk pointed to Ravi. Sorry, sir. Ravi and I have a little bet. He thought for sure you would promise to honor our secrets and would appear insulted at the idea of money. He stood. I will tell you what we told the man who came here seeking healing for his hands and a knowledge of ancient magic. We don't have it here for someone like you. I will tell you the same thing I told the man who came here looking for the mystical dragon punch. We don't have that for you. He motioned for Fredo to stand. And if we did have mystical cheese from sacred cows, we absolutely would not sell it to you. Or give it to you to sell. Fredo stood, confused. I see. Well, thank you, I guess. Ravi took him by the elbow. You can stay the night, and I'll take you down the mountain in the morning. Don't feel too bad, Fredo. This is how enlightenment feels. Think of it as the first step in a long journey. Soon, you may think of something closer to home to embrace. A tradition your own people have, perhaps. Be well. A Transformative Experience by Aaron Kazmark. It was a dark and stormy night. No, it wasn't. A tornado whipped in the background. It did not. Lightning forked the sky as... Nope. A crash of thunder shook the earth. Uh-uh. Look, are you going to let me tell the story or not? I sighed, shook my head, and allowed my best friend to turn back to the microphone to tell the story. As I was saying, we were surrounded. The battering of projectiles was pounding our shelter. We were trapped. We had to get to safety, but there was no safe path. 
We knew we couldn't make it without taking fire. It was I who was brave enough to venture out first. I gathered my belongings and made my dash. I was hit immediately on my face, my arms, my body, my legs. Everywhere. I dropped some of the rations, but I couldn't turn back to retrieve them. There was no time. I finally reached safety, out of breath, with my clothes stained and missing a vital piece of sustenance. I set down my belongings and turned to see that my comrade had also reached this haven. And when I did, I saw the cheese the cheese which I had dropped on my mad dash. It was sitting safely on the table next to me, completely unharmed, with no indication as to how it got there. It was a mystical, magical, supernatural event. Oh, Lord. It was a light drizzle. You ran into the house like a maniac. You dropped the cheese on the sidewalk, and I picked it up on my way in. It was not that big a deal. But it wasn't even wet or dented from the fall. Explain that. I dried it off on my shirt. And it's Parmesan. A little fault like that isn't going to dent it. Seriously, what is the big deal? A frown crossed my friend's face. That... I didn't buy Parm. About Bree. Wait, what? But when I picked it up, I ran to the fridge and threw it open. In the cheese drawer were a few open packages of sliced cheese, some shredded mozzarella, and a block of cheddar. No Parmesan, no Brie. No sign of what either of us saw when we brought in the groceries that morning. I lifted the cheddar gingerly and set it on the counter. N- no, no, I told you it was Brie. Where did you get... My best friend's voice cut out as the cheddar was suddenly Swiss. What did you buy? I demanded. I don't know anymore. Do... Do we eat it? We unwrapped it carefully, though now it appeared to be Pepper Jack. I kind of just want to see how long it keeps doing this. And if it molds. Fridge or shelf? Shelf. I put the cheese on the shelf over the sink, where it turned blue. Well, one thing's for sure. I turned around. What? My story was a lot cheesier than I thought. Morning Tragedy by Val Griswold Ford Sir Robert discovered the tragedy at 7.02 a.m. He had been on his way to make sure His Majesty's first cup of coffee was prepared just the way the king liked it. That was one of his major duties as King Edward's royal chef, after all. But before he could set foot in the kitchen, he had one other sacred duty to do. Now, as he gazed at the destruction before him, his heart broke. One of the kingdom's greatest treasures lay in fractured shards on its tray, pieces of it strewn around the vault, the sparkles of magic already fading from the distorted surface. It was irreplaceable, and now he had to tell the king. When Sir Robert was announced into the royal bedchamber, 
King Edward held out one hand, not lifting his gaze from the paper he was reading. But after not feeling the weight of the expected cup, the king looked at his chef irritably. His majesty was not a morning person. What the devil is the matter with you? he demanded. Did someone steal the coffee pot again? No, your majesty, Sir Robert swallowed. I... I have not made it to the kitchen. When I found it, I came right here. Color drained from the king's face. Is it gone? Worse, your majesty, Sir Robert said miserably. Someone has cut the cheese. Those are good stories. I especially liked that that one that was mostly dialogue. Um, it's um, the one that you wrote. Yeah, the one that was pretty much just us talking normally. Yeah, pretty much. That was fun. I I I, I like that. Well, now that we've you know promoted your work, let's promote someone else's. Okay. Here's a promo. Bon appetit. Sorry, I'm a little rusty. Clearly, we'll get you some oil. Concerning the Mistletoe Radio evening broadcast show known as the Beloved Voice. It is our hope that with this broadcast, we have reached across the boundaries from our dimension to yours. Please stand by. Um, now, we did promise uh, that later on in the show we would be treating our beloved listeners to the first interplanetary poetry reading. It was said that in the beginning... God painted the world a crimson hue, where all the fires of his inspiration would bulge forth in a dynamo of fantastic light and molten rock. It is by no means the only shape that I have seen. From my restless infancy to my unpleasing present state, I have felt a whisper of a presence beyond the walls that is beyond my comprehension. It is quite unfathomable how large this entity is. I am sure that is watching me. The Beloved Voice on Mistletoe Radio. Episode 1, The Voice of Thy Beloved. Available now on iTunes, mistletoeradio.bandcamp.com, soundcloud.com forward slash mistletoe radio, and by searching The Voice of Thy Beloved on YouTube. Stay beloved and dream of sheep. Hmm. What should we do next? I don't know. Something, because, you know, we've got you back. We need to do something more than just stoke the fires. It's a mystery. Oh, God, are we really doing that joke again? Does it ever get old? (laughs) No. (laughs) We're going to do a mystery meal. And remember, this is raw, unedited material. We, we, so. say, we say that in the recording of it anyway. I, I know, but they, disclaimers, like seriously. Department of Redundancy Department. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're the department heads of the department. <laughs> I think I broke AF's brain. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know what? Just, just listen to the thing. The thing. Testing, testing, one, two, three. I've been so lonely. You have been so lonely. You're here. Did you not hear the testing, testing, one, two, three? Shh. 
Don't shush me. I don't hear. I'll just leave again. Don't leave. I need you for mystery meals. You need me for other things. I need you for many things. Like making things actually interesting. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, we're so mean to each other. No, you're mean to me. You're mean right back. Don't lie. Anybody who was at Balticon 51, woo knows exactly how mean this is to me. Yeah, we're mean to each other. And speaking of being mean, I'm going to read you a mystery meal and make you giggle. I will be careful about when I take a sip of my drink. Good call. Meaning I probably won't take any sips during this. So it's been a while since we've had a mystery meal because it's, you know, just been me. Well, it's been a while since we've had a me. Yeah. Thanks to disasters in the former disaster kitchen. Mm-hmm. So we are at my new place. Yeah. This is Disaster Kitchen 2.0. Yeah. Or Gus.0. <laughs> Two point Gus. Two point Gus. <laughs> Two point me. So anyway. So Gus is worth two points in case you missed that. <laughs> two points on a scale of what though? Two to one to negative one. Wow. You really did break it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's time for a mystery meal, guys. We're two finally... points. Ow. We're finally getting caught up. Woo! So this is just one of several mystery meals that we have that has been ready and waiting to be recorded. For those of you who don't remember, because it's been so long, mystery meals are iconic scenes from classic literature that we have destroyed with your help for your amusement. In the form of a Mad Lib. Yeah, we Mad Lib classic literature. It's awesome. Today's selection is from The Return of Sherlock Holmes by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Hang on, before we start reading, let me take a sip. I am now hydrated. This is the scene where... Uh, Watson discovers that Sherlock Holmes has returned after his quote-unquote death in the final problem. So here we go. I moved my duodenum to look at the cabinet behind me. (laughs) We're off to a strong start here, folks. When I turned again, Rin Tin Tin was standing, (laughs) jitterbugging at me across my study table. How? Go, man, go. I garroted to my feet. Stared at him for some seconds in utter amazement, and then it appears I must have washed for the first (laughs) and the last time in my life. (laughs) Don't tell Mary. (laughs) Certainly a gray mist swirled before my coccyxes. (laughs) I thought you said you weren't going to drink during this. Cat, nope, that's a microphone. And we have cats. Yay. Anyway, certainly a gray mist swirled before my coccyxes. And when it cleared, I found my collar ends undone and the tingling aftertaste of hydrogen peroxide on my lips. Ooh, somebody's been gargling. Holmes was bending over my chair, his flask in his eyeball. <laughs> he got way too drunk. <laughs> my subtle Watson, said the well-remembered voice. No. I owe you a thousand boxer briefs. <laughs> I had no idea that you would be so affected. I gripped him by the eyelid. <laughs> Holmes, I cried, is it really you? Can it indeed be that you are transforming? <laughs> is, it, is it possible that you succeeded in ogling out of that awful abyss? <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a moment, said he. Are you sure that you are really fit to discuss things? I have given you a serious shock by my unnecessarily adultish reappearance. <laughs> it is unnecessary to be an adult. I'm all right, but indeed, Holmes, I can hardly believe my esophaguses. So he has cos- cossacks. 
And esophagus. And a movable. And a movable duodenum. Esophagus. Good heavens! To think that you, you of all men, should be shoveling in my study. Whoa! Again, I gripped him by the sleeve and felt the thin, unholy arm beneath it. <sighs> well, you're not a spirit, anyhow," said I. "My dear chap, I am overjoyed to see you. Sit down and tell me how you came alive out of that dreadful nightstand." <laughs> He sat opposite to me and lit a flower in his old nonchalant manner. <laughs> Is that what they're calling it these days? Yeah. The little flower. I was going to apologize for meowing kitties. They're not used to having me back yet. So. Or being in their new home. Yeah. So we continue. He was... That's an ambulance. Hooray! Siren cameo. Ta-da! Anyway, let's continue. He was dressed in the seedy frock coat of the book merchant, but the rest of that individual lay in a pile of reptilian hair and old books upon the table. Reptilians don't have hair! Or do they? Conspiracy theory! Oh. Holmes looked even thinner and keener than of old, but there was a dead white tinge in his delicious face, <laughs> which told me that his life recently had not been a healthy one. <laughs> I am glad to stretch myself, Watson, said he. It is no joke when a lifelike man has to take his foot off his stature for several hours on end. <laughs> Does that sentence even sentence? Now, my dear fellow, in the matter of these explanations we have, if I may ask for your cooperation, a hard and gentle night's work in front of us. Whoa, hey. Hard and gentle. Yeah. Perhaps it would be better if I gave you an account of the whole situation when that work is finished. I am full of light bulbs. (laughs) (laughs) I should much prefer to hear now. Someone's experimenting. (laughs) You'll scare with me tonight? When you like and where you like. This is indeed like the old days. We shall have time for a finger full of dinner before we need go. (laughs) It's eating pudding without the spoon. Spoon! Well then, about that chasm. I had no serious difficulty in getting out of it, for the very sunny reason that I was never in it. (gasps) Gasp! You never were in it! No, Watson, I never was in it. My note to you was absolutely (laughs) fun-sized. I had little doubt that I had come to the end of my career when I perceived the somewhat unbroken figure of the late Professor Moriarty, emulsifying upon the narrow pathway which led to safety. I read an inexorable purpose in his coarse eyes. I fluffed some remarks with him, therefore, and obtained his courteous permission to write the short note which you afterwards received. I left it with my cigarette box and my stick, and I sliced (laughs) along the pathway. Moriarty still at my heels. When I reached the end, I stood at bay. He drew no shoe, but he (laughs) rushed at me and threw his long carbuncle around me. Oh, my. He knew that his own game was up and was only anxious to revenge himself upon me. We curb-stomped together upon the brink of the fall. (laughs) I have some knowledge, however, of Shmagegi, or the Turkish system of wrestling, (laughs) which has more than once been very useful to me. I slipped through his grip, and he, with a horrible scream, lollygagged madly for a few seconds and clawed the air with both his middle fingers. <laughs> oh, wait, they can't see that. But for all his efforts, he could not get his balance, and over he went. With my face over the brink, I saw him fall for a long way. Then he struck a rock, bounded off, and splashed into the water. 
I listened with amazement to to this explanation, which Holmes delivered between the puffs of his cigarette. But the tracks, I cried, I ruined with my own eyes, and that two went down that path, and none collapsed. Whoa. It's like that's not the word that was supposed to be there. I know, right? Wow. That's how this works. Wow. Such wow. You actually grinned when I said that. That was one of the dumbest things ever, and you grinned when I said it. Very mystery meal. Such wow. Story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) That's a good time. Why the sigh? Well, we're... I mean, we just got you back. I don't want to wear you out with too much content. But I like doing the thing. I know, but we got to ramp back up to it. You've had like all vroom, summer. Vroom, vroom. You, you've had all summer off. Vroom. Off? Off from recording, maybe. The yeah, rest of my summer has been freaking insane. Well, that's what I mean. The disaster kitchen's been closed for you, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think we're going to wrap things up here. With a bow? Sure. Made of cheese? Cheese. Cheese bow? Cheese bow. Swiss bow? Swiss army bow? I would like to see that, actually. <laughs> hey, new prompt. Yeah. Swiss Army bow. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, so, where can people download this show? and leave On their review? computers. And, and leave or on their smartphone devices. And, like, leave reviews and stuff. Oh, that's iTunes. 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 How many stars should they give us on iTunes? 70. 70 stars. Yeah, we'd appreciate the 70 star reviews on iTunes. No, not the 71. We're not greedy. No. Not not the 69 because that, no. Just I don't know. That, that could be fun. Hey, no. This oh. is a kitchen. It could be fun in the kitchen. So, yeah, 70 star review on iTunes. Um, you can go and also help us out financially by backing us on Patreon at patreon.com slash afgrappin. You can, for as little as a dollar an episode, help us out. It, even just a dollar really does a lot. And you get physical swag. You can get shout-outs on the show. Let's get physical. Physical. Let's not. This is a kitchen. We've been through this. You missed me. I did miss you. <laughs> but you can get shout-outs on the show. Um, if you become a high-tier backer, you can get a title and officially become a member of the podcast crew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can help out with picking scenes for mystery meals. There's all kinds of different rewards for different backing levels. So patreon.com slash afgrappin. Help us out there. And if they don't want to do something on Patreon, but they do want some podcast swag, is that a possibility? It sure is. You can go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash themeltingpodcast. <gasps> and, and you can just buy swag there. It's different swag from Patreon, though. Oh. Yeah, it's different fancy swag. Fancy. Yeah. So, now if you don't have the money to contribute, and you've already left a review, do you know how else they can contribute, Aaron? Oh, they can send us stuff! They can send us things! It costs you nothing to send us a main ingredient story, a piece of flash fiction, something based on our prompts. Send us a song! Send us a poem! Send us love! Aaron has been jonesing for a musical episode for about two and a half years now. We just need access to, you know, the writing and the music and all that, but we can all sing. We need to do the thing. Theo's the best singer, and he's a baritone. Keep that in mind. So if you want to write a Stoke the Fire story like the ones you heard today, we have 1,500 words or less. We have two currently open prompts, like prompt number 12, 
Write a story featuring some kind of mystic cheese. Now that prompt is going to expire at the end of September. The cheese is going to expire. The cheese is going to expire at the end of September. Well, you better go ahead and cut it then. And we also have prompt number 13. Where did the corn go? Well, we have a couple answers coming for you in a future episode. We've Don't gotten spoil some, it. It's the cheese that's spoiling, not the corn. Son of a gun. Yeah. Um, but we do have some of that coming for you in a future episode. Mm-hmm. So you know you want to compete with that. Yeah. So you know what you have to do, right? Send us stuff. That's my line. We'll say it. Send us stuff. And we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff!